Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, May the 1st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we'll talk about where the Dolphins go from here in the third wave of free agency and into training camp with a peek at the position groups we feel best and worst about, plus what the Josh Rosen trade really does for the fan base in 2019, and we'll welcome in Tanner Nessel, the host of the Locked On Badgers podcast, as our rookie spotlight stops on Wisconsin Badger products, Andrew Van Ginkle and Michael Dieter, the fifth and third round draft picks respectively, and finally, a fun game I stole from the Will Kane show. All of that and a whole lot more, but first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app on Apple Podcasts or however you get your podcasts. Go ahead, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. The number one follow on Dolphins Twitter is at NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have content for you guys every single day up on the site. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and the Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I think the question ought to be posed, now that things are slowing down on the NFL front, where do the Dolphins go from here? This roster still has a lot of holes, and we have a column up on LockedOnDolphins.com, a two-parter from our staff editor, Jason Harina, looking at the position groups we feel best about and worst about, and we're going to talk about the ones we feel worst about on today's podcast, because... We're approaching this post-draft wave of free agency, really the third wave of free agency, as a lot of these guys, even though there are some household names that figure to get decent-sized contracts, it's almost like baseball now, where some of these good players are getting pushed into spring training into the summertime for football purposes that are not signed to teams. It's a strange dichotomy because in football, you obviously have to be more up to date on the playbook and the way things operate in that particular building. Whereas baseball, swinging a bat is the same thing every day, no matter where you go. But football has this focus on this area of free agency that is still somewhat attractive here into May. And I think Miami has to be a serious part of that conversation since the entire mode of the offseason has been taking these relatively low-cost gambles on players that have some upside, but for one reason or another have struggled to make things work in their professional careers. You look at Eric Rowe, the guy can flat-out play ball, but he's always hurt. Always. And the same is true of Tank Carradine, formerly a second-round draft pick. Chris Reed, as much as I think he can start and play pretty well at offensive guard, he was a career backup in Jacksonville. We're not out here signing the Andrew Norwells of the world and finding plug-and-play guys on the free agent market. That just hasn't happened. So I think that continues to be the case going forward. And on yesterday's podcast, I read Adam Beasley's list of players 
And I want to go back and say that I think I don't really agree with the list that he put together. Certainly not the likes of Deion Jordan or Brent Grimes. No chance on either of those two players, in my opinion. In fact, he omitted the two most likely candidates for my money, and I'll talk about them here in just a second. But let's go ahead and start in order of biggest need as far as position groups, and I think that's still pretty clearly the offensive line number one. You look at the list of available free agent offensive linemen, and frankly, there's a lot of guys out there that are better than what the Dolphins currently have on their roster. And I tweeted this out back when the Falcons cut him way back in March, but Ryan Schrader, their longtime right tackle, has been a good right tackle in this league, but he had a dismal 2018 season. Maybe that was a cliff, as that does happen for guys in this sport more than any other sport, where one day you're a good player and the next you can't do a damn thing the right way. But if he can bounce back, he's a good player, and the Dolphins pretty much have Nilch at right tackle unless you view Jesse Davis as the long-term right tackle because I think he eventually does kick out there with the way this roster is constructed and the fact that I think that's his best position. Andy Levitri, also formerly of the Falcons. Now, both of these guys are in their 30s, but are both upgrades on what the Dolphins have, and if we really want to fairly evaluate Josh Rosen you're going to have to do better than what you currently have. And just a quick mention for an outside shot contender, I did get a chance to look at some of the tape of UDFA, Shaq Calhoun out of Mississippi State. I think he has a chance to stick on this roster. Probably not a starter from day one, but he has a chance to develop and become something on this Dolphins offensive line, in my opinion, because the depth of this O-line, just looking up and down the list, it is not good. It's not pretty. I think that free agent, undrafted free agent offensive linemen would have been wise to choose Miami because there's a route onto the opening day roster for a lot of these guys. Second on the list need of needs, defensive line, and I think they might be set there for now because, in my opinion, there are enough prospect-worthy type of players that you want to get a look at at this group, and that's somewhat similar to the cornerback position because I do think I want to see some of Tank Carradine. I definitely want to see Charles Harris, although he could operate in a defensive line slash linebacker quasi type of split role in that way, and I am excited about the three guys who I have written down on the whiteboard, which is done, by the way, the post-draft whiteboard as green players and green players are plus starters guys that are better than average at their position and I think Miami has that with Christian Wilkins Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor and that could be your down three linemen in your base package in your 3-3 or your 4-2 looks those could be guys that are getting most of the reps and could flat out be your three down linemen in a defense that brings up linebackers to play off that edge and to give you an odd front that way with the five-man front. But even still, there are two noteworthy names out there, and we start with the most obvious one. Danny Shelton makes a lot of sense as your zero tech. He can probably play the one-shade technique as well in those five-man fronts, and even the short yardage three-man fronts when you want to get Devon Godshaw a blow, or just get bigger up front because he is 340 pounds, and he can do a lot to help keep Raekwon McMillan clean in the middle of that defense. And like he did for the Patriots last year, he could eat 30% of your defensive snaps on that defensive line. But the guy I think they'll be most interested in is Mohamed Wilkerson. Now, this might go against the plan as far as finding guys that love the game of football because Mo had his share of issues in New York, no doubt, including missing his own birthday party, which is the funniest story I've heard in some time. But the former Jet spent 2018 with the Packers and new defensive coordinator here in Miami, Patrick Graham, was a coach there in Green Bay. 
And Wilkerson has the most translatable skill set in that he has the length and strength to lock out and free up the edge linebackers to do what they do best and chase to the edge without having a blocker in front of them. I think Wilkerson basically gives you nothing as a pass rusher, but he could hold up well in that realm. Ziggy Hood, he did an admirable job last year off the street. He could be an option to come back. And William Hayes is still out there. And I know he's basically always hurt coming off of an ACL at age 33 or 34, but he's a perfect perfect scheme fit if you ask me so they might think about calling him looking at a couple more players Pernell McPhee the linebacker he intrigues me a little bit he's 30 years old but he might be able to challenge Chase Allen for some work at the linebacker spot and Jamie Collins still really intrigues me though I think you'd ideally have to replace Kiko Alonso with Collins and I just don't think they're all that interested in doing that in the secondary I still think Glover Quinn would be a plug and play type of safety might be able to be your third safety role but again Again, like Alonzo, they seem intent to keep TJ McDonald on the bench as the third safety. So who knows? I don't think they'll replace those guys, but those are some names to look at. There are certainly some players that can improve this team, and I think they will be one of the more active teams here coming up in a week as the date for non-compensatory affecting draft or free agents is May the 7th. I previously mentioned that it was this Thursday, but it's next Tuesday on May the 7th. And with that, we're going to take a short break here on the podcast and come back on the other side with the host of the Locked On Badgers podcast. He is Tanner Nessel and talks to Michael Dieter and Andrew Van Ginkle next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. We've got Tanner Nessel of Locked On Badgers waiting on deck to get in here and talk about a couple of these Dolphins draft picks as they pluck two players from a powerhouse of the Big Ten at Wisconsin out there. And let's go ahead and start here with some film study on some of these players. And I've been talking about Michael Dieter and mostly Andrew Van Ginkle, who I just think the world of at this moment in time. But let's go ahead and start with Michael Dieter, the third round draft pick, number 78 overall, a guy that has 54 consecutive starts, a Wisconsin program record. He was the 10th offensive lineman selected out of Wisconsin in the last decade. All they do is develop and produce NFL linemen up there in Madison. And speaking of the durability and the toughness, which are two traits everybody wants in an offensive lineman, but it's hard to find and even more difficult to develop offensive linemen in this league and at the college level. And the Dolphins are proof of that in the purest form. And you go back over the past three seasons, the Dolphins have trotted out 17 starters at left guard, right guard, and center. Those three positions cumulatively, adding Dieter would provide at least a stabilizing force to Miami's biggest Achilles heel of the past several seasons. You listen to some of the coaches and scouts that talk about offensive line play, one of the more difficult positions to evaluate. But Brandon Thorne of USA Football says this about Wisconsin offensive linemen, the mauling technicians that they are, quote, everyone playing as one being on the same page. They're coached well to see through one set of eyes. And they have a clear focus on the fundamentals of the position. In a time where athleticism is more of an emphasis than ever, Wisconsin continues to pound away at the basics. And you go forward to Duke Mayweather, who really is the foremost on offensive line play. You can find him on Twitter. I believe it's at Duke Mayweather. He says this about Wisconsin offensive line. Quote, Wisconsin traditionally has done a great job of recruiting talent from the high school ranks that not only have the physical traits we all get enamored with, such as height, length, weight, power, explosion, 
and athleticism, but they find the players that usually have a very good base of fundamentals and technique. And doesn't that all just go back to the Brian Flores coaching search when I highlighted time and time again that this coaching staff wanted guys that could teach and develop players because in Miami... There hasn't been a lot of player developing going on. So Michael Dieter joins the ranks. He was ranked number 38 overall on the Draft Network's big board, number 86 on Daniel Jeremiah's big board. He has scheme diversity. He can play some zone, play some man. He has athletic traits to get out in space, a little bit out of control in space, but the knowledge base is there. And that's what I like about him. Athleticism and aptitude because he picks up the games from the offensive line or from the defensive line rather, as well as anybody I saw in college football. Whether it was twists, stunts, slants, he is very, very good and apt at having the fluid movement ability and good hands, which allows him to pass off and pick up plays at the guard position. He could slot there right next to Laramie Tunzel and be a very good guard for a long time, in my opinion as he excels at those combo blocks, again, those stunts and twists and slants, but also in the running game where he chips and climbs to the second level. And if he doesn't work out at left guard, he has starting experience all over the offensive line. He had 13 career starts at left tackle, though I don't think you want him playing out there in the NFL, and 16 career starts at center. Again, 54 career starts. Never once did he miss a start in his career. So Michael Dieter, probably going to be your opening day left guard. That's my opinion. Let's move on to fifth round draft pick Andrew Van Ginkle, who I just can't get enough of. This guy who came from junior college, who came from an FCS transfer, has some injury history in his past, a little bit undersized, but they talk about him at Wisconsin as a kid that just loves football and that other people love to be around. Again, the same mode, the same plan, the same philosophy going forward. And you watch this guy's tape and he is very impressive. Check out the rookie profiles up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We have one on Michael Dieter, but also this one here on Andrew Van Ginkle, where I showed some of his work dropping into spot coverage and pass coverage and also working as a blitzer. The way he works in, in zone coverage as a pass defender is he recognizes the route combinations. He'll peek at the short motion, at the stacks, at the alignment, and figure out what route combinations that team runs from that particular alignment. And he'll go out and buzz the flat or spot drop and pick up the backside crosser and find guys in his zone opposed to just getting to a spot and covering grass, which we have seen time and time and time again. And I'm not going to keep picking on him, but number 47 in Miami is always guilty of that playing in that role, just covering grass. That's not what Andrew Van Ginkle does. He gets to a spot, he locates a man, and he'll intercept the football. He is a fantastic looking blitzer. The scrape and spill concept where a defensive line wants to spill inside and a linebacker loops off of him and scrapes off of his back and comes in for the blitz. He is very, very well adept at that. Also working as a looper off those stunts. He looks very good taking shortest angles possible and closing down on the quarterback in control with the ability to make the hit on the quarterback. And he finds the football all the time, a takeaway type of player. I think he is a very, very likely option to start the season as a sub-package linebacker and to earn more reps as the year goes along, just in the way that Jerome Baker did last year for these Dolphins. So that's the tale of the tape on Dieter and Van Ginkle. But for more on these players, I wanted to solicit the advice of an expert on this particular team. He is Tanner Nessel, the host of the Locked On Badgers podcast. He's going to join us right now. And joining the podcast now is the host of the Locked On Badgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find him on Twitter at Locked On Badgers, and his personal handle is at Nessel is the name. He is Tanner Nessel. Tanner, what's up, man? Hey, uh, not a whole heck of a lot. Apparently, there's some 
some Wisconsin Badgers making their way down to South Beach to play for the Dolphins, and uh, really excited to talk about them. They're two, they're two of the, you know, senior leaders on the team from last year. So these are some easy guys to talk about. Yeah, Dieter the leader was my favorite comment you made on our <laughs> yeah. uh, on our our Twitter exchange there, our DM exchange. But I was thinking about having you on after Dieter, and then once they drafted Van Ginkle, I was like, all right, we have to do this now. And I'm not going to put you in the film room or anything here. I just went over their tape on the podcast previously to having you on. But I wanted to get a feel for the type of kids and the type of character these guys are. I know you had told me that Dieter was one of the leaders of this team, but what can you tell me about these guys from like a first glance snapshot, just based on how they were in Madison, how the fan base felt about them and their presence within the locker room, the coaches? How did these guys kind of make their imprint on Madison, Wisconsin? Well, I appreciate you doing all the film work for me. That is admittedly not one of my strengths. <laughs> no um, problem. And the thing with Dieter, uh, I think offensive line, you know, breakdown and all that stuff is really, really tough. But the thing with Dieter and, and Van Ginkle, to a slightly lesser extent, but, um, you know, not totally throwing it out, out the window, is you got two of the better Badgers uh, and certainly two of the leaders on either side of the ball from last year's team. And, uh, and both guys actually made a big impact on the team Two years ago, when Wisconsin went 13-1 and one and, um, and beat Miami in a pretty entertaining Orange Bowl game, uh, that was, you know, some fans would say the best season in Wisconsin program history. Uh, I don't know, that's a discussion for another day, but Dieter on that team was a left tackle. Uh, he moved over to left tackle. Uh, that was sort of a sacrifice in a way. He was, he's originally an interior lineman. Um, he played center and guard, and I think that's what the Dolphins drafted him as. Is going to be a probably a guard, maybe a center. I was reading something that you had written on him, and um, but he was a tackle, and I think that's funny because he was a tackle on the better offensive line unit, and then he came back into guard for his pro prospects uh, last year. You know, to put some more film out there as a guard because that's what he wanted to be in the NFL. Um, but yeah, these guys, they both made a huge impact in the last two years. The the 2017 season was a little bit of a better one. Um, I believe Dieter was a, was a captain on both teams, and he certainly was a captain uh, last year. He was one of the three Badgers that went and represented the team at Media Days. And uh, it, it, anything that you can find about him from his teammates, from his coaches, they just say that he's a leader on and off the field, obviously being elected a captain, obviously being chosen to go to Media Days and represent the team. Uh, the sacrifices that he made by moving all around the line throughout his career, that's something that's really, really hard to do. And uh, and I think that says a lot about him. Uh, we just kind of talk about Dieter a little bit before we get more into Van Ginkle. Uh, but I know one of the things that you said, uh, he he's quoted all over the place as saying, moving all around the line, it's really not that hard. You know, if you're an offensive lineman, you're an offensive lineman. He doesn't really make too much of it. But it's funny because wherever – you see him saying that, uh, quoted in um, a piece by a sports writer from Madison, and it's something that you put in uh, in your piece, too, on, uh, was it LockedOnDolphins.com? Yeah. And uh, you followed it up by saying that, or by putting in another quote from uh, another teammate saying, like, no, no, he's, he's totally overlooking that. Like, that's a really huge thing that he's doing, and it's really, really hard. And I think that it, it says a lot about him that he's, like, really downplaying that, and he's... You know, maybe it's it's kind of a humble brag in a sense, but he's like, yeah, I understand it's a really big deal, but I really don't want to draw all this attention to myself. I don't want to be like, hey, look at me. He's a really like go with the flow guy, and I think those are some of the best leaders. You know, there are certainly the rah rah leaders, but there are a lot of like 
set the example kind of leaders. And I think that's what Dieter is. And I, I kind of thought it was hilarious because we go back to training camp last year with the Miami Dolphins and somebody had asked Josh Sitton, a longtime all-pro guard in the NFL who played right guard and left guard, if what it was like to change positions or change sides on the offensive line. And he basically said, point blank, try wiping your ass with your other hand. That's how hard it is. And so it's a, it's a perfect parallel into Dieter. And it almost goes back to this idea that Maybe he just wants to make the struggle look not so hard so as to encourage other guys to be able to lift their game as well. I think that's part of the leadership, as you mentioned. Let's go ahead and change gears here and talk about Van Ginkle because I watched this guy's tape, Tanner, and I see a playmaker, man. I see him. He's a smart player. He's a blitzer. He can play in pass coverage. What do you know about Andrew Van Ginkle? I know that last season, uh, and you said you really like him on tape, which is good, uh, because I don't have to really talk you into it, because last season, I don't think he was really as impressive as he could have been. Uh, Personally, I thought he was going to be a huge part of the Wisconsin defense, because he kind of had to be. Uh, The the Badgers were losing Leon Jacobs, Garrett Dooley, um, among a few other players, guys that were getting like pass rush numbers and sack numbers in the front seven last year. And Van Ginkle was one of the uh, the guys really rushing the passer that was coming back. Uh, he I don't know, had like five and a half sacks and then six and a half sacks each of the last two years. But it's mostly because of the last uh, two games of the 2017 season when it looked like Hope was kind of dwindling against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. He comes out of nowhere and gets a pick six. Uh, it was like it only had a 10-yard return or something like that. It was really... Ohio State was backed up really deep in their own territory, but it was still a huge play. He made a really good read, um, you know, a pretty athletic play to kind of like gather the ball, stay in bounds, score the touchdown and all that. And and that really swung things back in uh, Wisconsin's favor in that game. And then he did something very similar in the bowl game, which is, you know, a few weeks later. Uh, the very first play of the second quarter, Wisconsin was losing 14-3. to And um, Miami tried to run like a little tunnel screen his way. The offensive lineman tried to chop block him or cut block him, whatever the, the legal move is. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, it, it was a legal move, but he, he just kind of like pushed the guy down and he was able to get his hands up and not only you know make a play on the ball, but actually intercept it and uh, gave Wisconsin a short field. And that just totally swung things in the Orange Bowl. And uh, without those two plays, not only do, do I think uh, Wisconsin loses – you know, to Ohio State, but Miami probably continues to just run away with the Orange Bowl as well. So he's like a really like impact splash player. He's able to do these things with his athleticism. He's able to, you know, be in as many different places at once or at the snap of a finger, you know, the blink of an eye because he's so quick and long. He's he's, he's actually like a big guy too. Um, it, I was just kind of expecting more. He made those really big plays at the end of 2017, and uh, and it just – Unfortunately, his senior year didn't really pan out, but it sounds like um, people are kind of forgiving him for that because it was things out of his control. It was it was mostly an ankle injury, which is a really nagging injury, and uh, it I think it really hurt him last year. Especially in the way he plays with all that change of direction and lateral movement exactly. and, and just doing all the things that puts the stress on that ankle. So I'm glad to hear that you feel the same way because, I, like I said, I turn that tape on, I turn that Ohio State game on, and he's just making plays all over the field. And you can see that he reacts to the things the offense does from a schematic standpoint. And I'm really excited about that because we've had some less than intelligent linebacker play over the years here in Miami. So I hope that the Wisconsin coaching staff, which continuously gets lauded for their fundamental sound play, 
And I, I hope that, that kind of has an impact coming here to Miami. Uh, Tanner, that's all I got for you, man. Anything else you want to tell us about these two prospects? Uh, well, there's, there's two things on each of them. Um, one, uh, Michael Dieter, this is just a little quick, like, note. Um, and two years ago when he was the left tackle, Wisconsin ran a trick play uh, where they kind of rolled him out and threw a backwards pass to him where he scored a touchdown against Illinois. I didn't read too much into this, but I do think it says something that of all the offensive linemen, he was the one that got the trick play drawn up for him. Just saying. Also, so, yeah. he converted the play. He, he caught it and ran it in for a touchdown. And, and the other thing about Van Ginkle, which I'm sure you probably covered because he's your guy now, uh, <laughs> he's not only fast, but he's quick. Mm-hmm. He was like in the 80th and, and above percentiles in all the agility testing. And, and if he did run a 40, uh, he ran a 40 at his pro day. His 40 time would have been tied for sixth among all linebackers. So he's not just fast. He's also quick, uh, which, you know, is sometimes fast guys aren't always quick in, in short bursts and you know, a change of direction and all that stuff too. So I, I think he's, if he adds just a little bit more weight, he's going to be a pro for a really long time, but I think he's, he's in a really, really good spot. Um, I, I'll defer to you as far as how they're going to use him defensively and all that stuff. But I think he's going to be a really, really good player. Uh, both these guys are going to be really good players. And yeah. um, I'm glad two of them are going to the same team. Yeah. It'll be fun to see him watch them work together. And, and, and Van Ginkle does have a very specific role in this defense because the Dolphins defense is going to take on the Patriots mold, which is one of the more unique schemes in the NFL as really only new England, Detroit and Miami, all three teams with Belichick disciples or Belichick himself in tow are going to be running that scheme. So I think Van Ginkle has a great shot to be a sub package linebacker right away and probably get more reps as the season goes along. Again, Tanner is the host of the Locked On Badgers podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Locked On Badgers and at Nestle is the name. Tanner, I appreciate you taking the time today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, and there he goes. And we're going to come back with segment number three, talking about the quarterback position now and in the future and what Josh Rosen exactly means for this team in 2019. All of that next Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. So I think in an offseason where, let's be honest, the Dolphins are pretty much on the bottom of the totem pole, actually opened as 200-1 to 1 Super Bowl odds post-draft bottom of the league with the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. So the Josh Rosen effect on both of those teams obviously having an impact. But Miami are not expected to do a whole lot this season, and we knew that. But going into the draft and even after the draft, I don't think anybody would have thought this Dolphins team was going to be getting headlines the way they have because here it is on a Tuesday, April the 30th, as I record this podcast for May the 1st, and every talk show, every radio show, every news outlet, sports news outlet that is, has the Dolphins in the rundown talking about Josh Rosen. So what does this Josh Rosen move really mean for Miami? Well, obviously you have a chance to develop a franchise quarterback, but what's more than that, I think in the interim, in the immediate, is that it puts Miami in this positive spotlight and they were not previously going to be there by any stretch of the imagination. This gives the fans a reason to show up to the games and to have some hope because Ryan Fitzpatrick, as fun as he is, as lighthearted as he is, he did not provide any long-term hope, and this move for Rosen was all about selling that long-term hope. The truth is, if you remove the name, you remove the first-round pedigree, and you just had the Cardinals tape, and even to some extent some of the college tape to go off of, you wouldn't be excited about this move pretty much at all. 
He's got flaws, lots of them. And he can certainly grow out of those. And I will be detailing all of those on the Josh Rosen project where I chart every single throw of his. And I'm going to start working on that immediately after recording this podcast, actually. But what does Rosen bring to the Dolphins in the interim? It's that long-term hope. And since we've heard Chris Greer himself state that this is in no way taking the Dolphins out of the quarterback race next season, I think it bears watching what the other teams do around the league that have needs at the quarterback position because, frankly, the demand for quarterbacks right now isn't what it normally is, and that plays into the Dolphins' hands. And I want to quickly touch on the segment I saw on the Will Kane show on ESPN Radio, also on ESPN News, where he had Jeff Darlington on and they played a fun game. But first, Darlington's guarantee, and I love Jeff, and I love that he said this because I do see a scenario where it's possible, two years removed from the ACL, Darlington says he guarantees that this time next year, the Titans will believe that they have found their guy in Ryan Tannehill after he eventually replaces Marcus Mariota. And I've made no bones about it myself, the fact that Tannehill is a better quarterback than Mariota. In fact, I would challenge anyone to find a single metric or tape study that would prove otherwise. But it got me thinking about which teams could be in the quarterback market this year, as Darlington also made a mention that Miami may be whereas some teams put themselves in a position where they get a quarterback like a Daniel Jones, for instance, with the sixth pick. And all of a sudden that guy is anointed as the starter because of the expectations and because of the contract. And the Dolphins didn't want to put themselves in that kind of a position. They want to add bodies to the room and make it more competition based, which is what Josh Rosen does. Because again, the 62nd pick in the draft doesn't really put you in a position where you have to force this guy into the lineup. He's going to have to earn it. And he of course referred to Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn back in the day. Maybe that's the approach. Maybe next year will go high for a quarterback. I still think they will, but there's going to be a few teams that will prevent them from making that happen if they finish lower in the NFL standings. And those five are this, the Miami Dolphins, of course, with Josh Rose and Ryan Fitzpatrick and the obvious reasons for that one there. The Cincinnati Bengals didn't get anybody besides Ryan Finley this year. I don't really believe in his game too much, much less than Andy Dalton, even with Zach Taylor, who in my opinion could be one and done, although Mike Brown's not going to fire somebody after one year. I just don't think that highly of Zach Taylor. That's a bad marriage in my opinion. The Oakland Raiders with John Gruden and Mike Mayock and all the madness they have going on and the lack of commitment to David Carr, that could be an option. Derek Carr, rather. That could be a team that looks to move on if they have a bad season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers under Bruce Arians. If Jameis Winston goes belly up, which is a good chance that happens because he's kind of a goofball, that could be a team that gets back into the mix. And of course, the Tennessee Titans, once Mariota plays bad again, gets hurt again, and if Ryan Tannehill turns in 2018 Ryan Tannehill and not 2016 Ryan Tannehill, that's going to be a bad football team that has to turn things over to a new quarterback as well. So we never know what's going to happen with these teams. There could even be Detroit with Matt Stafford or maybe even Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. But there are a lot of teams in the league right now that don't have that big of a quarterback need as far as long-term solutions Compared to what they think they have, of course, putting Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins in that mix with Washington and New York, respectively. But all of that only plays directly into the hands of the Dolphins in the 2020 draft class. And that, my friends, is a great spot to end a lengthy podcast. If you have a smart speaker, you can pull the podcast up right away in your car or otherwise. Just say, play Locked On Dolphins and get your daily dose. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Wingful NFL. 
The show is at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Go Fins!